0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you, in the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. And
1: so every time we need to study, Study the unsearchable inheritance of Jesus Christ to study the, d- study the depths of our inheritance. The unchanging epigraph is the book of Luke twenty-four forty-four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so, saying these words, Jesus began to rise and the cloud took Him from their sight. And so, for us as the participants of the body of Christ to share together with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, and for this it is necessary to be in Christ, we continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. This is an incredible, incredible news and it consists in our calling. Every child of God that comes to God has a calling and this calling is mutual to put off the former way of life the old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful lust to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4 22 through 24 to fulfill this decreeing commandment we need to put three destiny impacting commanding and fundamental acts into practice fundamental acts means that they are at the foundation of our faith when there a foundation then upon this foundation you can then build yourself into a holy house and a holy priesthood and these are these acts are to put off be renewed and put on these three uh, commands that we are to fulfill fulfilling these three destiny impacting commanding and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath we are offered a choice to become vessels of mercy or to become vessels of wrath and this happens uh, depending on the choice you make God doesn't make a person a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy a person himself makes himself a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy and so if a person understands these three requirements will accept them as his calling then his salvation will happen that is given to him in the format of a seed and if not then he will experience destruction in life he will lose his salvation and his name will be blotted out of the book of life forever and as a result then our names which were written into the book of life in the format of the given to us down payment when we made a covenant with god will forever be blotted out of the book of life we will always remember clearly that everything that is given to us, it's given to us in the format of a seed. Nothing is given in the form of fruit if the seed will not be turned so that it can profit, if it will not die in the ground together with us. Because when we receive the seed, we become this seed and we die together with this seed so that we can receive, we turn it to profit in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can receive it as a possession, a personal possession. In a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements and stopped to study the process of the third requirement and specifically what conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. When the scriptures say in Christ Jesus, then this is upon the condition that Christ lives within you. If Christ does not live within you, then you can't live in Him. These two are mutually linked. They are two functions of one act and so christ in us and us in christ relevant to this we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th psalm of david where the holy spirit with the wisdom and authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of god el Yon or god most high and so david in the psalm turns to god and calls him god most high And this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our tight situation, casting off our old man. And we call upon him as our God, and we state who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what, by the fact of our birth, our origin from him what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ and so what do we need to do so that we can receive this incorrupt inheritance this is to we need to die for a nation the house of our father and for the destructive des- desires of our personal soul And so we note that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and also with governing sin who is our old person with his deeds whom we received, we inherited from the sinful seed life of our fathers three kings within one body, and they all desire to rule and control the body, and the field of battle is our heart. This is why those saints that have discovered the narrow gate, the good wife, they have understood their calling, and it's not possible to discover the good wife the narrow gate not understanding their calling these things are uh, are combined and again it's not possible to discover the narrow gate if we don't find the good wife in its character the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to Kings priests and prophets as we are them first part identifies the state of the heart of david as a warrior in prayer and our heart as well as warriors in prayer which is the required basis for the legitimate status of our prayer or his prayer belonging to kings priests and prophets The second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself which belongs to kings, priests and prophets which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the image of David from the hands of all of our enemies and the third part illustrates the prayer battle itself it contains an epic genre which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind of man or is led in the realms that are inaccessible To the mind of man in a specific format. We already looked at the first part, stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David and also allows us to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so that he can be saved from. His enemies as well as our enemies and God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David uh, and our heart provided God with the legitimate basis that he needs to use the power contained in in the capabilities of his names to battle against the enemies of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. My Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemy. Psalm 18, 1-4 And now together let us proclaim who God is to us in Jesus Christ in these eight names that are diluted uh, in, all the, in each other. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my, my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold." And so, as much as the Lord has allowed, and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God, and these are Strength, Rock, Fortress, Deliverer, and Living Rock. And we stop to study our unsearchable, inherited lot in Jesus Christ contained in the name of God who is our living shield. Getting to know the eight names of God which identify God's covenant with us is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body and if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing he has not understood he is resisting it to govern over his calling which is his mortal body in the status of a king, priest and prophet so that he can change it into a heavenly body then the revelation about God consisting of his name shield as his remaining names as well that his purpose for worshiping god in prayer will not benefit him in any way because due to his stiff neck he has refused the given to him by god calling to save his soul to then by the means of his saved soul to adopt his body by the truth that is contained in the redemption of christ because all of this work will happen by the confessions of our mouth God will clothe us into the virtue of kings, priests and prophets and into the virtue of the incorrupt body using our own words, our confessions upon the condition of course that the words we're confessing are the faith of our heart the name of God in the virtue of our living shield is presented in scripture as living protection that is is ranked in scripture for warriors in prayer as their military armor or their weaponry And all of this is confession, all of this military armor, our weaponry, these are our words, words of faith that come from our heart. The purpose of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle in the interests of the will of God against all enemies within our body as well as outside of our body, as well as provoke enmity between ourselves and our enemies so that we can overthrow them and take back what belongs to us. And this is what we lost in Adam when he sinned, that we can take back. This is the ability to rule over the the world and over your body so that it become yours again and God needed to save uh, Adam after he fell using then his son he clothed them into these skins as you remember the animal skins and Adam then was born from God when he would put on these skins of the animal he was born again He was born from God. And so there's a big difference between being created and being born. For example, all angels in heaven, including all of the archangels, they are created, they are a creation of God. We together, we're not just God's creation, but we also are His children. We are born from God. And as we are born from God, we are called to grow. And to grow, you need to learn because any child, if you don't teach him or her, if, a, if you won't teach him to walk, to speak, to if he doesn't see what you're doing, he's not going to speak, he's not going to walk, he's not going to do anything but crawl. And his abilities then to learn will, will be greatly dimin- diminished. It, you begin teaching a child as soon as he's born, and you're supposed to, but if he doesn't hear voices, communication, how can he form his words? The same thing here, we need to learn. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15 And so the seed of the woman is Christ. The woman is a symbol of the church. God said, I will bring forth the seed from the woman, and the seed will bruise you in the head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so killing Christ, he bruised his heel, but Christ upon the cross bruised him in the head. We at this time were in Christ being this very seed and so when we accept by the word it is the seed we accept christ we accept him in the format of his seed in the format of a guarantee we then with this seed need to die in jesus christ so would be raised then in a new in a new form following our exit from the egypt of our soul because egypt is a symbol of our soul the enemy will be pursuing us to take us back to slavery the name of god in the form of our living shield by the means of the confession of the faith of our heart will immediately stand between us and our enemies so so then by using the power of the words of the faith of the heart to take the hits of the perverse vile curse upon himself that has been passed on to us from the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh and the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of, of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19, 20. The same light can be darkness for the other, and light, uh, light for the one and darkness for the other. This can't be understood logically how can, how light can be darkness for specific people and for the one people it will show a way to God and for the other it will be darkness so that they will not be able to destroy his children because if they behave incorrectly in the church with one another God will be a darkness for the one and light for the other and this will happen when we will building our relationship looking at things that have been uh, done in the past or who they were in the past we need to blot all this out when it comes to one another so that we can demonstrate a true form of brotherly love therefore the quality in lexicon identifying the name of God shield as with the previous names of God Most High is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world so that to be our living shield so that he can take upon himself the inherited hits or strikes of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, is to protect and to block us from the deception of the evil one, to protect and, protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue, to protect and block us from the, from the curse of all nature of illness protect and block us from the curse of poverty, protect and block us from the curse of untimely death, and protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Considering such a necessary tandem or union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence both the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, as with the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we need to study four classical questions which will help us know the essence of our inheritance in the name of God's shield, so that we can provide God with legitimate grounds to use His name, a uh, shield, in battle for the adoption of our body. According to Scripture, what are the identifications and the qualities of the name of God's shield? What purpose, being in the role of our protector, did God allocate for Himself, and what role has He placed upon us? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can provide God with the basis to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of His name, the living shield of our faith? By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of His name, shield? and not some kind of falsified or counterfeit form of it. We will remember that all of the acts of God relating to our protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, where we see the role of God in the function of our helper and the role of man in the function of the responsible party clearly identified and outlined. For man, who does not understand the relationship he is, he needs to have in in his marriage he also will not understand his relationship with God if he in his relationship uh... in his marriage considers his wife lower or a step lower than himself how can he then acknowledge God as his helper will he also see him as on a step lower and so if he does not acknowledge God like this or see him like this then how sh- how should he look at his wife and how how is the wife supposed to see him. Why do husbands see their wives this way? Because that's how the wives uh, see themselves, because they were taught incorrectly. The wife thinks she's always a step lower, but how can she be a step lower if she's the same child of God? She is no different than her husband. Would you allow that your son uh, mock and, and be arrogant and and consider himself greater, higher than your daughter. You are the. They usually are the same in your eyes. I did not have a favorite. My sons and daughters were always the same, equal. When it came to me, I loved them all equally and the same. The same thing with God. He just he will not allow one to rule over the other in such a way but there are definitely different functions there's no higher or lower, it's just a different function God created men and women in His image and so in God He has the quality and nature of a woman and the quality and nature of a man and so that's how He created His people the Holy Spirit especially uh, has the qualities and and nature of, of a woman he is the helper. I will send you a helper, and his function is that he does not seek glory for himself. He is the glory of the heavenly Father, Father, the glory of the of the Son, and so the wife is the glory of her husband. This is a function the Holy Spirit has. He helps. He uh, bases everything from the words that the Father uh, speaks. The wife needs to go off of the words of the husband upon the condition that those words are according to Scripture. This means that until we fulfill our role, identified in the three above-mentioned acts, God will not have any legitimate basis to fulfill His role, so that He can destroy the stronghold of death in our body and replace it with the erection of the stronghold of life. Not having a clear and exhaustive response to these questions, which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith, we will not have any opportunities Uh, to turn to profit the silver of the given to us down payment of salvation, so that we can then receive our salvation as a possession or a personal possession of our own in the form of the fruit of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our spirit. As it is written, for all of the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us, 2 Corinthians one twenty. Sometimes this phrase, a very short, to the glory of God through us, it it escapes people. But it is so important that not a single promise are we able to inherit or receive without the apostles of God, everything through them. And not just that, even the forgiveness of sins are we not able to receive. We're not able to receive without them. They are forgiving the sins in the name of the Lord. Christ said, The sins you forgive will be forgiven, and those that you retain will be retained. And when I asked a question, I asked an Episcopal, Pentecostal pastor. He said, there are no apostles today. And I asked him, who can forgive sins if there's no apostles? And he said, God. And I said, what? Did God then violate His words? God is not unchanging in His word. It is written. Then they said, you are trying to push a heretic idea they don't see apostleship in themselves or anywhere else why do they not see it because they don't acknowledge god's order they are not taught they act as they were taught but even if you're taught one way study the scriptures because they have eternal life and they speak of me jesus said and so if you preach the things that are not written in scripture or you pervert the truth they say this is how you need to understand it but it has nothing, there's nothing like it in scripture that they are teaching people to believe and so without the collaboration of our faith with the powers contained in, in the name of God's shield concealed within our heart in the form of Format of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ We will not be able to please God But without faith it is impossible to please Him For he who comes to God must believe that He is And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him Hebrews 11.6 And so how do you please God? How do you believe in God? People will tell you this is to feel You feel this faith You don't feel faith Faith is God's words Faith is from hearing and so it's information and so without obeying the words that come from the mouth of God's messengers it's not able it's not possible to please God in a specific format we already looked at the first three questions and we will immediately turn to study question 4 by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether God is truly our living shield taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies specifically the measure by which we are able to examine ourselves as to whether God is truly our living shield and will determine this will determine our success of abiding in Christ and our future with Christ in the kingdom of God in the new heaven and new earth the first result of collaborating with the name of God's shield will be our ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit or be led by the Holy Spirit that we pay a price of total sanctification for pursuing the price of total dedication because not having the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit God will not have any legitimate grounds upon which to be our living shield as God in the power of all of his names demonstrates himself exclusively by our ability to be filled with the power and authority of the Holy Spirit, or be led by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we need to determine by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are being led by the Holy Spirit and not by a counterfeit form of the Holy Spirit. Possibly we are being led by our own spirit or by a controlling spirit, uh, or the controlling spirit of our pastor whom we have elected democratically. and if we've elected him then he has no right to be called a pastor because the word pastor is a father it's a shepherd it's a person who has the heart of a father and he loves all the same as i talked about but he may communicate differently or have fellowship differently with people uh... based on how they respond Certain children uh, uh, are pretty much very introverted and go into themselves and don't have, don't communicate much uh, with their parents and don't allow themselves to be loved. And others are more open and allow this. And one of the first signs by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are being led by the Holy Spirit or not is not the speaking in tongues but by the factor that we will be led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where we will be subject to temptation by the devil this is the very first moment when the Holy Spirit comes and comes into us as Lord and Master of of our life the first thing he will do is lead us into the wilderness to be sanctified and sanctification is always linked to temptation from the devil when we sanctify ourselves, all the powers of hell will come against you because people think that sanctification is its actually very dangerous, this is the wilderness then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan as soon as the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, he the Holy Spirit uh, led him into the wilderness returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, About Moses it is written, he did not eat or drink. 120 days. Imagine, almost four months he did not eat or drink, and did not lose weight, and he did not have any thirst or hunger. 40 days he came down, and then he uh, 40 days again prayed because he had broken the tablets and went up, and then it was another 40 days. And every day, every time, uh, all each of these three times he did not eat or drink. Why did Jesus not eat but drink in this case? Because Moses was in communication with God, but Jesus was in communication with the devil at this time. And so, if he would not have drank, his body would not have been able to tolerate it, or to to be able to stand. And the devil said to him. And so, in those. Uh, as those days had ended he was hungry and the devil said to him if you are the son of God command the stone to become bread and Jesus answered him saying it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God this speaks of the fact that we will be tested uh, materialistically how will we react how we behave regarding materialistic things when the Lord le- leads us into the wilderness we will be tested uh how we, if we depend on materialistic things or if we depend on the word then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time to show in a moment of time you need to be in the spiritual realm you need to come out of your body at this moment because you can't in the body uh, see the, all in a moment of time all the kingdoms of the world And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Why do you need to go on the cross to have this kingdom? You came to take control of these kingdoms, but I give this all to you freely, he's telling him. Just bow down to me, worship me. Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world he told the Pharisees he did not come to take the kingdom to take uh, the over the world he came to save his own within the kingdom but Jesus or the devil was perverting the truth and Jesus answered and said to him get behind me Satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve he did not explain to him that he is perverting the truth he just talked about worship I will not worship anyone but the Lord God then he brought him to Jerusalem he remained in the wilderness but he led him out of the body and brought him to Jerusalem set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down from here for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an oppor- opportune time. Luke 4 1 13. We know that in Scripture the symbol of the wilderness is the format of our total sanctification that pursues the format of total dedication to God where we are separated from our nation. Sanctification is the separation from our nation, the house of our Father, and from the sinful desires of our soul. And the nature of such total sanctification that pursues a nature of total dedication to God will always be subject to weighing upon the scales of justice by the means of temptation by the devil that Christ experienced who was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He immediately showed that he is being led by the Holy Spirit and obeys the Holy Spirit. He didn't go there himself. The Holy Spirit led him there. If we, like King Saul, will not have the factor of being filled with the Holy Spirit, then when meeting with the enemy, the Holy Spirit, who anoints our mind to rule, over our body will depart or step away from us and will not be for us a shield that takes upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies Saul was anointed to rule but I repeat if God anointed our mind to rule over our body but we don't have the if we're not being filled with the Holy Spirit we're not led by the Holy Spirit we didn't receive him and we don't receive him because we did not put truth within our heart then the enemy will come to test us and the Holy Spirit will depart from us he won't be with us that's why Saul fell and see how David mourned for him O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil second samuel 121 the shield of saul that was supported by the holy spirit was defeated because the holy spirit stepped away from him the holy spirit departed from saul because he refused to be led by the holy spirit so that he can be led into the wilderness for total sanctification which pursues the goal of total dedication for service to god and the essence of of total dedication includes temptation from the devil who will try to turn us away from such a nature of sanctification by perverting the truth that is imprinted in the written Word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. Second, the result of collaborating with the Name of God shield is our ability to trust upon the Lord in the format of His Word consisting in the undamaged truth that is concealed within our heart, which is the perfect way upon which God walks. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. Psalm 18.30 If our trust upon the Lord does not find its place upon the perfect or upright ways in the form of the pure word that comes out of the mouth of God, upon which God walks, and then we will confess, of course, these very words that came out of the mouth of God, and God walks upon these upright ways, this pure word, these are His uh, perfect ways, upon which God walks, that in the form of the undamaged truth that is concealed within our heart. Then this means that our soul does not have trust upon God, which deprives then God of the foundation he needs to be our living shield. Our soul waits for the Lord; he is our help and our shield. Psalm thirty-three, twenty. According to the definitions in Scripture, the virtue and quality of our trust upon God, as a result of our collaboration with the name of God's shield, will make itself known in the time of prayer, where our eyes of, or the eyes of our heart, will be focused upon God, uh, upon who God is to us in Jesus Christ, and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ by the fact of our birth from God, as as it is written by, my eyes. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord, in you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares that they have laid for me, and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Saul did not see these snares and these traps, but David did, because his eyes were not turned to God, but David's were. Psalm 141:8-9. If you are led by the Holy Spirit, then your eyes will be turned to to who God is to you, what He's done for you, who you are to Him. First, looking at this phrase, we conclude that prayer that does not possess the element of trust upon the Word of God, in the seed of the truth that is concealed within our heart, that has grown into the fruit of righteousness, can turn our eyes anywhere, but not upon God. Because as it is, we focus our eyes only upon the things that we trust. Second, our trust upon God or upon His Word gives God the legitimate grounds upon which to fulfill our request, so that He not leave our soul destitute and keep us from the snares and traps of the workers of iniquity that are placed for us. At the time of sanctification, these traps and snares will be placed for us by the workers of iniquity and these traps and nets. Are encounters. This is one of the forms of deception, perversion, and they wanted to sanctify themselves, they went into the wilderness, but they did not know what true sanctification was. Their sanctification is confess- confession of sin and often the sins they, that God already forgave them for. And then they write you a list of sins that are not even found in Scripture. They say you need to repent with uh, for all of these sins, and then they burn this list upon an improvised altar. And it's good then that they at least, though the they consider them lucky those who may receive a part of the cross that's at the front, maybe a nail, and then they pray uh, with this nail and uh attributes from from all of this we won't go further into this we already know about these things but those who have experienced encounter and did not repent it repent for it they're going to hell not one person who uh, experienced this encounter and did not repent will go to heaven you will not sanctify yourself in three days sanctification is not just confession of sins although it is included but sanctification is by the cross of our Lord Jesus to be separated from our nation the house of our Father and from the destructive desires of our soul. Sanctification is the casting off of our old man because to be be clothed into our new person it is necessary to first cast off your old man and this is sanctification and this is a process. I will remind us that trust upon God and upon his word is fruit that grows from the root system of our hope upon God and upon his word, in the format of the truth that is concealed within our heart. And consequently we are able to trust only upon the things that we place our hope. Because just trust to trust upon God means to trust to trust upon God, to lean upon God, look at God, erect your building upon God. There's a foundation, now you can build your building. May God your reinforcement and support. May God your stronghold, your refuge, and your safety. One of the signs by which we need to determine that God is, in whom we trust in the form of our living shield, takes the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself, will consist in our ability to rule over ourselves as God rules over himself in heaven. (laughs) Rule over yourself as God rules over Himself in heaven. Because God in heaven rules, first of all, over Himself. When God expressed His thoughts in His word that comes out of His mouth, He said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth. Genesis 1.26 First, this was the command of God the Father and not some kind of something that God had counseled with His Son and the Holy Spirit. This was not a, something He counseled, again, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was His command. But the theologians of the Middle Ages state that He did counsel with the Son and Holy Spirit whether to create. And those who echo their thoughts follow them blindly. It is written about God, with whom did He take counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of justice, who taught him who taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. Isaiah 40:14. He talks to the nation of Israel and says, "Whom? Uh, with whom did He take counsel?" This thought and this announcement or message was given by God in the format of a format of a command as by His eternal nature, God the Father is the absolute Lord, lawgiver, and judge, and His word is the unchanging and undeviating will for the Son Himself and for the Holy Spirit. And although they naturally identify with God the Father, they worship Him, love Him, lift Him up, and tremble before Him, which is why they burn with eternal thirst and preparedness to fulfill His will that is demonstrated in His, in His words. Second, informing the of his thoughts about creating man, God intended that man in his likeness or in the likeness of God would rule in the realm of earth just as God rules in the realm of heaven. The rule of God in the realm of heaven includes the ability to place himself in dependence of his word that comes out of his mouth. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name, Psalm 132. Looking at this place of Scripture, we conclude that the name of God, as well as the demonstration of His loving-kindness and truth, is a result that God values His Word and remains faithful to His words, or is vigilant over His Word in the temple of our bodies, so that it soon be fulfilled. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform My Word, Jeremiah one twenty, or 112. And God magnifies His Word in a specific place within His temple and His temple is us, if upon the condition that we've received the Holy Spirit, not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit Himself, the individual when we receive baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are not yet a temple of the Holy Spirit these are infants who can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they're still uh, attracted by various winds of doctrine and so they have not built themselves into a temple and when they build themselves God will come there when he will see that the truth, the elementary teaching, the 12 foundations are there. Looking at the given place of Scripture, we conclude that the Word that comes out of the mouth of God rules over His essence as well as over all of heaven. In other words, the Word that comes out of the mouth of God and God Himself are so mutually identified with one another that the very essence of God and all of His works are not able to be separated from His Word that eternally abides in Him in the format of His thoughts, which contain His eternal and good thoughts. (coughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the and the Word was God. It was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, <clears throat> and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John one one through five and to make known to his nation the abilities and upon what grounds his nation is able and is called to rule over all the earth. God showed, him, God showed man with what abilities and upon what grounds he himself rules in heaven. God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and he not make it good, Numbers 23 19. Looking at what is written, if a person received and, co- and concealed the truth of the word of God in his heart, then he is given by God such power of the word as God's words themselves. And the rule of man over the earth begins with the governance or rule of his word over himself. <laughs> when you receive the word of God into your heart and you begin to rule yourself with these words. The governance or rule of the word over yourself can only happen in the key or by the word and within the word that God rules with in heaven. Which is why David, worshipping and praising God, sang about him saying these words, You submit the people under me, which means, By the means of the truth of your word, I rule over my nation however as we know before David came to power over his nation he came to power over himself here's what he himself says about this your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the like one of them seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God first Samuel 17:36. this is the response to Saul when Saul said you're not a warrior you don't even have know how to uh, Carry armor upon himself. David was not comfortable wearing it. Uh, Other warriors, when they uh, put it on, he they felt safer, but he did not feel safer. He walked around in it, and he wasn't comfortable in it. And he took it off. And Saul said, "You can't go like this. He's a a man of war from his from from his youth." But he says, I have killed both lion and bear, and with this uncircumcised Philistine, it will be the same. None of us will be able to carry responsibility for our family or any other aspect of our life if we don't first learn to carry responsibility to rule over ourselves by the word of God that is concealed within our heart. And such governance or rule over yourself by the word of God that is concealed within your heart can happen exclusively by legitimate prayer that will be made up made up of words that come out of the mouth of God. We need to be warriors in prayer in the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets. That is specifically why, responding to the request of the disciples to teach them to, to pray or how to pray, Jesus responded, saying, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Matthew 6, 9-13. This prayer is an example of collaborating with the name of God's shield called to make us rule or govern over ourselves as well as over those spheres of our essence that God has entrusted us with. As in it, we see legitimate and sovereign relations of a person that is born from the seed of the word of truth with God as as with his heavenly father, where we provide God with legitimate grounds to first erect his kingdom in the temple of our body, fulfill his will on earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so these five aspects here, they are included in the prayer. These five components, which are called to become our everyday prayer, we see a demonstration of faith. This is the wise and willful obedience that we show God this brings about his his favor your cheeks are lovely with ornaments your neck with chains of gold songs of Solomon 110 your cheeks are lovely with ornaments your neck with chains of gold when it's referring to chains of gold in this place It is referring to adornment for the head, which implies our mind, that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. The phrase chains of gold in the given situation has quite interesting and multiple meanings that, although various in meaning, contain within itself the reason for results. And one of the meanings of chains of gold in this place is adornment upon the neck made of precious stones. At the same time, the other meaning is throat, where a voice is formed, expressed in words. And if this doubled meaning of chains of gold is compared with the meaning that is contained in the shields that hang on the neck of the beloved, then he will confess the faith of the heart with his voice. As in Scripture, the meaning of the precious stones, whether they are on the neck, on on the hand, on the shoulders, or upon the chest, indicates the faith of God that is concealed in our heart, which places us into Jesus Christ as our protector. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected. The very same promise for us is precious, the others have rejected it. They don't build from these stones. They build from something different, different materials. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, 1 Peter two seven. and also became a stumbling block for them the promises that we proclaim those tr- that truth that we re- rejoice about those surrounding those Christians who surround us who don't have these promises uh, who don't believe in them they will stumble upon them but our our, our faith and hope we, we will be a stumbling block to them at the same time this chains of gold is the confessions of the faith. Confessions of the words of faith. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore, sp- therefore speak. 2 so, Corinthians 4.13 And so when we confess the faith of God that is concealed within our heart, demonstrated in obeying the preached word of This means that we are silencing and we are quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked one Above all, taking the shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one Ephesians 6.16, specifically by the means of confessing uh, the faith of our heart We then uh, inspire a conflict between our old man and God According to scripture, faith that is silent and is not able to confess The abilities of God is not able to be called faith. Psalm 32, 3-6 When I kept silent, my bones grew old through the groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity, and I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin for this cause everyone who is go- who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near you furthermore the scriptures that we are uh, reading about we also read from Hadadzer and David took the shields of God that he, that were on the servants of Hadad- Hadadzer and brought them to Jerusalem First Corinthians eighteen seven. Hadazer is an Aramaic king of Mesopotamia. The Aramaic people are Syrians. They came from the same root of uh, of the Semites. Specifically the city which Adedazer was ruling in uh was called by a specific bird that was an unclean bird, Suva. And so symbolically, the golden shields that symbolized the blood of Christ were unlawfully used for the flesh. The symbol of Hadassar, these are the abilities of our carnal mind, and he was trying to use the power of the blood of Christ in the form of these golden shields to protect the interests of the flesh. David, which had this neck of the beloved, he utilized the blood of uh, the power of the blood of Christ in the form of these shields that he took from Hadidazer to protect the interests of God from the flesh. And to Hadidazer is a symbol of the carnal mind. It is that same soul. The second result of collaborating with the name of God's shield will be our ability to walk in uprightness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. The light of the sun is killing. And only because of the shield of the atmosphere, which uh, controls how much uh, heat we receive, we then have this multitude of life on earth. Walking in uprightness that we obtain Upon the conditions that we read inscriptions becomes a shield that turns away God's wrath and brings forth God's favor and coming from this favor, then the rays of His healing. In other words, the glory of God that comes from the rays of God's grace, representing the symbol of the hypostasis of God, is a. Are these uh, fatal? Uh, Rays of the sun that come and they are able to be uh, controlled. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and the suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from, them, from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And so Moses and Aaron turned these rays of death into rays of life. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and he ran again as fast as he could to the midst of the assembly. And and already the plague had begun, begun among the people so he put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living so the plague was stopped Numbers 16:41 41 through 48 these incense uh, of Aaron demonstrated his uprightness which turned the rays of death into rays of light this pleasant incense of Aaron has these types of meanings. Uprightness is perfection, wholesomeness, uh, the fear of the Lord, reverence before God's name. And all of these definitions can tell us that the virtue of uprightness is perfection and wholesomeness in the conscience uh, conscious of man. and so the main criteria of uprightness is truth in the heart that is contained in the truth of the blood of, of of the cross of Christ and so to identify uprightness that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ we need to see what the Lord considers to be blemish because a clean animal be it a lamb or a young bull if it was blemished it was not able to be offered as a sacrifice to the Lord and obtain God's favor or be a shield from his deadly rays To be able to obtain God's favor the offering needed You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect for that is an abomination to the Lord your God Deuteronomy 17:1 An animal that has blemish upon itself and is offered Symbolizes the prayer of people that were previously upright, but then became uh, dirty with with sins or covered with sins. Therefore, in this given situation, the unclean are a symbol of a young bull or a sheep that becomes an abomination and so when this is offered to God it's an abomination before the Lord the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord but the prayer of the upright is his delight Proverbs 15 8 and so the offering of the wicked in the form of their prayers is an abomination here's what God said to Moses about this and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to Aaron and his sons to all the children of Israel and say to them whatever man of the house of Israel or of the stranger in Israel who offers a sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his free will offering which they have offered to the Lord as a burnt offering, you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep, or from the goats. Whatever has a defect you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf and whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or broken or mimed or have an ulcer or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar to the Lord, either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you may offer but for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer for the Lord what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land, nor from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these as the bread of your God, because their corruption is in them and defects are in them. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. Leviticus 22, 17 through 25. In this place, the Holy Spirit reveals the kind of blemishes that an upright person does not have and should not have. Or what prayer is considered an abomination, one that, that has blindness, brokenness, mind with an ulcer or sickness, with eczema, with a scab, that has any limb too long or too short, bruised, crushed, torn or cut. Having any of these blemishes turns our prayer into an abomination before God, also takes us out of candidacy to the inheritance that is prepared by God in heaven for the category of uprightness. The defect of blindness on an animal are prayers of people who use their heads when they should be using their heart, or are attempting to comprehend with their mind what they are supposed to comprehend with their heart, and have the audacity to evaluate or judge what is not within their responsibility. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into a a man's mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch." Matthew 15, 10-14 And so he said, don't pay attention to their temptations, to their offenses And so that plant that my heavenly father has not planted, they are the ones that are offended Apostle Peter wrote these words, 2 Peter 1, 19-21 And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man.
0: And
1: the reason but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1.19-21 And so these prophecies were being moved by the holy spirit and to comprehend it also needs to happen being inspired by the holy spirit second the defect of brokenness on an animal is a symbol of the prayers of people that have swayed away with their mind from the simplicity of christ as they began damaging the word of god to benefit their flesh but I fear lest somehow as the serpent re- deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.3 So if we damage the word of God and then pray, we in this way, this is a animal who will not uh, draw God's favor. What is simplicity in scripture? This is not naiveness. This is directness, sincerity, fairness, one that is straightforward, authentic, generous, and hospitable. To walk in uprightness means not take what is holy to the Lord as Eve did in her time, having eaten the fruit from the forbidden to them tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Third, the defect of mimeness of an animal demonstrated in the form of deformity of a specific part of the body is a symbol of the prayer of men in whose heart there is no peace of God. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James three fourteen through eighteen to walk in uprightness means to follow peace and possess peace in you in your relationship with God. Fourth, the defect of an ulcer or sickness of an animal, in the form of an inflammation that causes pain, is a heart that has resentment or offense in the heart, or a heart that refuses to forgive offenses, refuses to speak with a person, because. They look at a person and think about what they, who they were in the past. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6.15 To walk in uprightness means know how to forgive personal insults and offenses and have fellowship with one another based on who he is in Jesus Christ today and not who he was back when due to any kind of fault or whatever it may be that God had forgiven long ago, but you don't even know about, or don't want to know about. Fifth, the defect of eczema on an animal in the form of scabs on the skin that have discharge, typically when itching, this is a heart that is filled with judgment of the wicked. He delivers the poor in their affliction and opens their ear in oppression. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place where there's no restraint and what is set on your table would be full of richness but you are filled with the judgment due the wicked and judgment and justice take hold of you job 36:15 or 17 to walk in uprightness means we're talking about prayer that needs to be brought when judging something or someone or something be filled with judgment due the righteous the righteous judge Uh, within their responsibility and within the boundaries of Scripture. The wicked judge everything. What is in their point of view and their judgments are not in accordance to Scripture. They just uh, judge based on what they see, not what God says about a person, but what they themselves see or perceive. Sixth, the defect of scabs on an animal is an infectious skin disease where upon the skin typically under the hair there are discharging scabs that are flaky and fall off the skin these scabs and this flaking contains and contains and passes on infection or disease therefore as the the body of an animal the body of people that have their this disease are people you need to stay away from or avoid considering all of this this disease is reflected in lying, perverting, or twisting the truth in assumptions, pers- persuasions, and criticism. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Proverbs twelve twenty two. To walk in uprightness means speak the truth to one another or indulge one another and judge at your gate loving peace. Speak the truth and love peace and with loving peace judge judge and keeping peace in mind everywhere we see don't look at what was in the past again again it, it talks about in Hosea God says go and learn what it means I desire mercy and not sacrifice if you would have known this you would not have condemned the righteous why do you condemn a person for what has been in the past and you condemn him today, because that means you yourself are an unclean animal. These are the things you shall do: speak each man the truth to his neighbor, give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Zechariah eight sixteen. Unfortunately, when a person communicates with another person who has this infectious disease, that falls off the skin. Uh, and communicates with them. They they receive information and then pass this information on to others. And so you may say, well, I know this person. You may have known them back then, but you don't know them today. The defect of a deformation, too short or too long limbs, are on an animal is bias in our relationship with one another when we elevate or reduce the ratings and dependence of our sympathy or antipathy of the person. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James two one through four, and so when we see an attractive person, we say two plus two is five. But some someone we are not uh, sympathetic toward, or they're not attractive to us, uh, two plus two we say is three. And so we, this is an unequal uh, treatment of people. Therefore, to walk in uprightness means to have the faith of Jesus Christ, not looking at the face or have honest, honest scales. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 11.1 1. Eighth, the defect of damage, bruising, crushing, torn or cut in an animal demonstrates the inability to fulfill the function of insemination or rep- to reproduce. This symbolizes unbelief or an absence of the seed of the faith of the heart. He can't confess with his mouth because faith is formed in the heart when you're putting truth into it you hear the Word of God, you confess it, you then uh, faith arises and you confess that faith and if you don't confess the faith of your heart if you're just confessing maybe something that's not in your heart that means you have uh, these bruised or crushed uh, parts of the body so we, we understand what God meant when he was describing these animals and so in this case uh, the inability to reproduce hypocrites well did I say a prophecy about you say these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the, the commandments of men Matthew fifteen seven through 9 we can conclude that prayer where a person draws near to God with his mouth but his heart is not with God Is an abomination before God therefore to walk in uprightness means to possess the ability to confess the faith of your heart with your mouth in this way the purpose of the uprightness of heart is called to take part and make itself known in various areas of our life amen let us bend our knees and our heads and pray and we will thank God for the words that we were able to receive today so that the Lord confirmed this in our heart And of course, this is with our willingness and will make us immovable because of this word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again I thank you for the opportunity to be with your saints upon this blessed by you place where you have placed the throne of your word. You have made your word the throne, the altar and we worship before your words we thank you and we value your word and we value it greater than gold even pure gold your word is pure gold to us and pure silver these precious stones it is the better honey which we can be nourished by and the better curds or milk may your mercy be blessed for your saints that have elevated within their heart the throne of your word Because with this word, you created the world, and with this word, you are bringing it to its destruction. But with this very word, you're also protecting the righteous, the upright, and bringing them to your glory. You have prepared for us a new heaven and a new earth. And we thank you that we have become partakers of the new and uh, holy Jerusalem. This is your virtuous wife. That has the quality of a narrow gate we thank you for this uni- these unique in their power promises that we have received into our heart we thank you that we have understood our calling and we have accepted this calling we are in this calling and fulfilling it we are in the wilderness in the temptation, being tempted by the devil to cast off our old man with his deeds and to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind so that by the means of our renewed mind we can be clothed, we can clothe our body into your resurrection we can erect within our body the stronghold of incorruption we have accepted all of this and we rejoice before your face that the time is coming, drawing near that we have been waiting for lo- for so long that the saints of all generations have been waiting for. They died in the faith, not having received what was promised, so that they without us not achieved this perfection. We thank you that you allow us to see the signs of the times. And I thank you, and I pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. At the time of casting off the old man from ourselves, those saints that are in this terrible situation right now, that they may not even see, because the old nature may find, demonstrates itself in such ways, in terrible ways, maybe religiousness that's hard to maybe see, a, a zealousness that may be inside. I ask you. Pour out, pour your light forth and don't allow any of them to perish for you have come to find and save your goal was to save your children and so I pray for your Saints for our
0: children
1: that may not be here today for in some of our families we see that we look at them and we see them saved and we see them sitting at our our side we thank you for this hope that we have this trust we have this hope we don't suffer as those previous to us not having hope for the salvation of their children they are condemned to destruction not understanding that by condemning them They also condemn themselves because God will not save them without the children or the children without them. You and your house will be saved. It is written. I thank you, Father of heaven and earth. You have enough power, ability and means to not allow that any of our children should perish. I thank you for these promises and worship before your word, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.